to this passage in the book of James. The book of James in chapter number one. And again, I, I do not know if I will get in a preaching gear or not. Maybe I will. And maybe I won't. It remains to be seen. But the Lord has put this on my heart tonight out of the book of James. Um, and I want to read a few verses here out of the book of James. That's the first four verses out of James in chapter number one. Uh, and of course, uh, this is written by all accounts by the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. James um, penned down this general epistle. Most people believe this is the oldest book in the New Testament, written around 45 A.D., and he just jumps right in in verse number one. He doesn't give a lot of salutation like Paul does. He just kind of tells you who he is, and, uh, and then he starts this epistle off. Let's stand as we read the first four verses out of the book of James. And uh, let's pray the Lord to help me tonight as I preach on or teach on or whatever it is I'm about to do on count it all joy, count it all joy. James chapter number one and verse one, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ of the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brother, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Thank you. You can be seated. I do appreciate you standing. And as I said, I want to deal with this passage tonight and preach a little bit about count it all joy. Count it all joy. Now, when you read this, we got to keep in mind who James is writing to. He's writing to believers that are scattered abroad. He's writing to believers that are going through a lot of times. Many of them are going through hard times where they've had to leave their property. They have been excommunicated by their family. Many of them Jewish believers that have been dispersed through many foreign nations and they're in an uncomfortable place and they're in a situation where uh, they're strange people. They don't talk like everybody else does anymore. They don't look like everybody else does anymore. They're different. And uh, here's what James said. The very first thing he says, he tells you who he is and then he says to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, and then he uses this word greeting and we use that word greeting and the greetings and you know that's kind of a salutation that's a how you doing or sort something like that but when you read this this is not just a simple hello how you doing when he said greeting uh, that word there it means to rejoice exceedingly now you think about that what I just said he said you need to rejoice exceedingly and they're like do what what do you mean rejoice exceedingly? Our families cut us off. Our family think we're a bunch of weirdos. Our family thinks we're nuts. And you're telling us now that we're to rejoice exceedingly? I mean, like get behind, get beside ourselves? I'm talking about have a fit. And he's saying, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. He said, you need to rejoice. And we're under persecution. We need to rejoice. Yes, we're living a life contrary to culture and we need to rejoice. And that's exactly what he's saying. And I think about this tonight. You know, we are going through trials and we are different than everybody else, but we need to rejoice tonight because our names are written in heaven. Why is that? Because he said this, he's writing to the 12 tribes uh, which are scattered abroad greeting. And then he said, my brethren, if you've got anything to rejoice about tonight, you may be going through the biggest trial you've ever faced in your life. You may be going through the biggest turmoil. You may be facing something in your family that is the worst of the worst that we don't even have 
any idea about. We don't know what kind of trial you're going through. You're going through some inward issue that nobody in the building knows about. But he said this, he said, my brethren, if there's a reason tonight to rejoice, if there's a reason to be exceedingly glad, it should be because we are saved by the grace of God. We are brethren. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We have been washed in the blood. We have been saved by the grace of God. And I've heard people say, well, you know, my, my, uh, my worst day as a Christian is better than my best day as a sinner. But I'll say this, sometimes you're gonna have some bad days as a Christian. You're gonna have some tough times as a Christian. I wish I could say that you'd never have problems, never have issues, but that's just not the truth. But he said greetings. He said you need to rejoice exceedingly. And I believe the reason he's saying that is because we have a reason to rejoice. Later on in chapter number one in verse nine, he said let the brother of low degree rejoice and that he is exalted. The reason we need to rejoice tonight, not just because we're saved, but because we're sustained. Because when you're going through trials and when you're going through troubles, you are not facing them on your own. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ will rest upon me. And so when you're going through troubles and we're going through trials, you can rejoice in the fact that that you're getting God's special attention. You're getting some special grace from God when you're going through these trials. Paul talked about that thorn, and that's actually in the context. He's talking about this thorn, and he besought the Lord thrice, Lord, take this thorn away, and God said, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. My grace is gonna be sufficient, and Paul got to the place, said, you know what? I'm gonna endure this trial. I'm gonna endure this thorn because his grace is gonna be sufficient, and he said, I'm gonna glory in my infirmities. Now, we don't like doing that, but I tell you what it'll do. When you get down where the rubber meets the road and you realize you have to have God's grace and God to sustain you, you'll get a special touch from heaven because it's no longer you doing it. It's God that is doing it through you. The Bible said in Philippians 4 and verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, I don't have a lot to rejoice in tonight in old Randy boy. I don't see a whole lot to rejoice in tonight, but I can rejoice in the Lord. I can rejoice in the Lord's salvation. I can rejoice in the Lord's supply. I can rejoice in the Lord's substance. I can rejoice tonight in the Lord's satisfaction. So everything I have tonight is in the Lord. We are seated in the heavenlies in Christ and we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. It's a blessing to be saved tonight and have that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 said, we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. 2 Corinthians 16, he said, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. Thank God you hit the jackpot when you met Jesus Christ. When you get saved by the grace of God, you have everything that you need in the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. And so he said this. He said, rejoice. There's an exhortation and then there's an evaluation. He said, count it all joy. Now, he said, you need to evaluate this thing. When he said, count it all joy, it means to rule a command or have authority on. Then this word means to consider or to deem, and I like this, or to account. 
He said, I want you to take an account right now. He said, I want you to count some things up going on in your life. It's the same word that Paul used in Philippians 3 and verse 8. He said, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I might win Christ. What he's saying is, he said, count it all joy. Now, here's how you've heard people preach it before, and here's how you've heard people say it. You've heard people say, well, it doesn't matter when somebody comes in and you're boss walks in and says, see you, wouldn't want to be you, you're fired, or where we're from, you're fired. Yeah, you know, and we, you've heard preachers say, I tell you what you do, you just throw your hands up in heaven and come in and thank God, I mean, listen, walk in your house and say, thank God, darling, I'm unemployed. Hallelujah, we count it all joy. I don't have a job anymore. That's not what that's saying. That is not what that is saying. You know why? Because that's not real. That's not real. Nobody does that or did that. I'm going to show you in the Bible here after a while about that. But here's what's going on. It means that God wants you to consider. He said he wants you to put a spiritual pencil to what's happening in your life. He said, so do do a count, make a count. And do an account, make an accounting term. And listen, he said, count it all joy. Now, it's not the same word for greeting here, but it's pretty close. And it doesn't mean that you rejoice or shout your way out. How many times have we heard that? How many times have you felt pressure on your life because you're going through trouble, you're going through trial, you're going through turmoil, and you don't want to shout? And the preacher gets up, I'm talking about me, and the preacher gets up and says, well, just shout it out anyway. Just praise God anyway. Just shout your way out of the trial. And you're like, I don't want to shout. I don't feel like shouting. Amen. I'm going through trials. I'm going through troubles. It doesn't mean shout your way out of it. It does not mean that. Is he worthy to be praised? Yes. I mean, is he worthy to be exalted? Yes. Is he worthy to be worshiped tonight? Yes. He is worthy to be worshiped. But I tell you, you can put on the dog and you can lift your hand and everything that have breath, praise the Lord, and he's worthy to be praised. If you're breathing tonight, he is worthy to be praised. But I tell you, sometimes you don't want to feel like a hypocrite because you're going through trials, you're going through troubles. You don't want to rejoice. You just want to sit there and be left alone and grovel in your pity or whatever it is. Amen. Is that too real for us tonight? Because that is the way that it is. It doesn't mean be happy that the bottom fell down. It doesn't mean that when you're going down the road and you hum and your transmission falls out, well, count it all joy. Praise God. $2,500 down the drain. Count it all joy. I supposed to announce their blowout service August 27th down there at Faith Baptist down in Primrose. And I thought about this. I've had blowouts before, amen. I mean, a blowout service, you know. I go to somewhere and you have a flat tire, and you know, you. Everybody said, well, you know, Brother Randy, just praise God anyhow. Praise the Lord. All things work together for good. Them love them. I know that. But you don't feel like praising God when you got a flat tire. You don't feel like praising God when the transmission's gone out. You don't feel like praising God when the AC's gone out at your house. You don't feel like praising God. Amen. What all that is, is you're just putting on the dog. You're not being real. That's not what it is talking about here. You say, well, things hadn't gone this week. Things ain't working out like I think they ought to work out. I've been praying for God to change some things and he has not changed it. You count it all joy. Now, what is that? What does that mean? How many of you like to have a root canal? (laughs) Not I. 
You know, Randy, I'm, I'm sorry to report, we're going to have to give you a root canal. Amen. Praise God, just what I wanted, another root canal. No, what he's saying here, if I can make it, if you can understand the application, it's not praise God you're getting a root canal, praise God the root canal is going to fix what's wrong with you. It's just like in John in chapter 16, verse 21. A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembers no more the anguish for joy that a man has been born into the world. There is joy at the end when the child is born. That means something good is going to come out of this trial. And when he says count it all joy, that means when you do have the flat tire, when your transmission does go out, or a whole lot bigger than that. When somebody comes in with some bad news because there's going to be all kind of trials in your life and some of them you're just not going to like at all. Not one bit. You know, don't beat yourself up tonight because you're not shouting it out when you're going through trials. Don't beat yourself to death because you say, man, I, I don't understand why I don't have joy. I don't understand why I can't shout when everybody else is shouting. It's because you're going through a trial. You're going through pressure. The fire's on. God's dealing with your heart. God's putting the fire to it. God's bringing the dross out of you. God's bringing the dross out of me. God's putting the fire to us. God's putting the test to us, and sometimes the fire is hot. Don't beat yourself up because you're not running the aisles. Here's the Bible. Hebrews 5, 7. Who in the days of his flesh, is talking about Christ, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard and that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal, eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Matthew 26, 39. And when he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed and said, O Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every way and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the Joy, it's the same word. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Here's what happened. Jesus saw the end result, who for the joy that was set before him. So when he said, count it all joy, it's not right now. I mean, listen, no correction is joyous. You don't like going through correction. You don't like going through storms no more than I do. You don't like going through trials no more than I do. But count it all joy. Just like Jesus, he endured the cross. Why is that? He despised the shame, but he counted it joy. He counted it worthy because he knew that when he went to Calvary, when it was over with, there was gonna be a great gathering of people that would be saved by the grace of God because of what he went through at the cross of Calvary. And so right now, you might be going through that trial, but this trial is not over and it has not been consummated yet. You say, man, I can't wait till it is over. I want to get out of this trial. I don't want to go through it anymore. Don't do that. Look at your Bible. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting 
nothing. You know, we want to get out of it. We, want to go, we don't want to go through it. And we don't want to go through that tough time. I tell you this, he said, when? When you fall into diverse temptations. You know that word diverse is the same word that Peter used in 1 Peter 1, 6, when he said, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than that of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Christ. Same word when he said manifold. So James uses the word diverse, but it's the same exact word. That means multicolored. That means you're gonna go through some trials and I'm gonna through, go through some trials that are many shapes and sizes and colors. You might be going through a trial. I mean, listen, that is beat you black and blue. You might be going through a trial because you're green, you're, you've got the green-eyed monster of envy. You might be going through trials because of anger, because you get red-faced about something. You may go through multicolored temptations, multicolored trials, but what God is doing is he's allowing these things to come in our life. He's not tempting us to do evil, for he don't tempt it anybody to do that. But what he will do is he will test us. He will try us to get the bad things out so he can manifest the good things to a lost and dying world and to us as well. But this is also the same word that Peter talked about in 1 Peter chapter number four when he said the manifold grace of God. Just like there's gonna be diverse just like there's going to be multicolored trials. There's going to be multicolored temptations. There's going to be multicolored testings. Just like there'll be multicolored grief, there's going to be multicolored grace. Aren't you glad that for every diverse temptation, there is no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but also with the temptation, make a way to escape. Yes, the test coming. He will give you something with the test to get you through it. Hey, listen, I tell you, when you go through tests and you go through trials and you go through a lot of things in your life, I tell you what's gonna happen. There's gonna be experiment that'll happen in your life and that's what I'm talking about now, the experiment. He said, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. He said, you're gonna fall into diverse temptation. He said, there's gonna be a trial, there's gonna be a proving you go through trials and you go through tribulations, it proves you. It gets the bad stuff out. It removes the dross out of our life. When you go through trials, you go through tribulations, your Bible will become much more precious to you. When you're going through tough times and you cannot find a way and your joy is gone and you want to count it all joy and you're trying to add it up and you're trying to figure it up and you'll get in your Bible and you'll go to looking for anything. I mean, listen, you'll get in the book of Leviticus. You'll try anything. God, give me some help anywhere in your Bible. Do you know this verse became so real to me in Psalm 119, verse 67? He said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. Verse 71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. You go through trials, you go through diverse temptations, You'll be looking in the Word of God for your help. It'll get you back where you need to be with God. It'll get you doing some soul searching, some Bible searching, and some prayer searching. Amen? Christians are going to go through, we go through basic trials, two of them really. We go through trials of correction, which of course you can see the life of Jonah. 
But here's what he said. He said, knowing this, knowing this. Romans 8, 28, that is a verse that we quote a lot, and I believe the verse, and I'm, and I'm, I'm about to read it tonight, and it is in the Bible. <laughs> Romans chapter number 8 and verse 28. And we know, that's what James said. He said, knowing this, knowing this. He said, know some things. Get some things by experiential knowledge. Romans 8, 28 said, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things, these things, that these things there, are the things he just mentioned. And the first one is being predestinated to be conformed to the image of Christ. Nothing to do with a lost person, everything to do with a saved person. You are going through trials, we are going through trials because we are going to be conformed unto the image of Christ. Now we can, we can get upset and we can say, I can't, I can't handle this, I can't handle this, I just can't do it. Well, I tell you what, if you want out of it, he'll let you out. And you can get out, but I promise you, you won't get away with it. You'll turn around and you'll go right back and he'll bring you right back to the very spot where you got out at and you're going to face it again because he knows what's going on in your life. When he talks about that you may have need of nothing, that's not talking about you're going to get to a place where you're sinlessly perfect, but i tell you what it is talking about. It's talking about getting to a place uh, where you need something in your life and something that is lacking in your life that you need and God is putting it in you and taking things away from you so you you can have what you need to be like Jesus. When he said you're conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, that is predestination. I mean, look around you tonight. These things, I don't want to go through them again. I don't want to take the test again. You may be taking the test again. And I tell you, I, I don't know. You say, what's the, what's the best test to take? Well, the best take, test to take is take it one time and move on and graduate and get on with it and, go, and grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Sometimes when you go through these trials, they're, they're hot, they burn, and we don't want to go through them. But we're predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, and that is completeness. That is spiritual maturity. When it talks about that you're going through these trials and you're gonna face these things knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. That'd be what we would call endurance. He said, but let patience have her perfect work. I don't know why patience is referred to there in the feminine. I don't understand that other than he's using women to teach us some patience. Amen. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire. Entire. What does that mean? That means God wants us to be complete. God wants us to be spiritually mature. You say, well, I'm going through trials. I'm going through this trouble. I'm going through this right now. What God is doing, you're getting God's special attention because he's nurturing you. He's drawing you. He's completing you. He's conforming you to the image of Christ. Think about that. God's got a lot of things going on in his life right now. A lot bigger and better things than what is happening at Fairmount 
there here at Concord Baptist Church, but he's still interested in you and I on a personal basis. And I'm gonna say something. When you get saved, whether you like this or not, you and I will be conformed unto the image of Jesus Christ. And I tell you what it's going to take. It's going to take some testing and some trials. Romans chapter five, verse three said, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. How do we obtain, how do we attain spiritual maturity? It's through trials. It's going through problems. It's not just simply reading and praying. I believe you ought to read. I believe you ought to pray. I obviously believe you ought to witness. I preached about that. But what's going to bring you into spiritual maturity and being complete? And I'm not talking about sinless perfection at all. But I am talking about a growing and a conforming unto the image of Jesus Christ. It's going to take some work. And God is working on us. And it's not just simply by just going through the motions and living a life of mediocre Christianity. Ephesians 1 and verse 5 said, Having predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. The purpose of the trial. The trial is going to make us weaker so as to make us stronger. If you've been saved any amount of time, you can testify to this. You would not be where you are and you would not have the spiritual stamina and the endurance that you have had without a trial. Aren't you glad that God knows? He knows how much fire you can take. The potter knows the clay, how much pressure it can take, how many times around the wheel to their submissive to God's will. He has a beautiful design, but it's gonna take a little fire. Amen. The potter knows the clay, the production. It is patience and it is perfection. We got trials of correction and then we got trials of perfection. That's when you're all in the will of God. The first thing that happens when a trial comes, we need to do some surveying. God, what have I done wrong? I mean immediately. Even if I do have, if I do have something come up, God... What have I done here? Lord, please deal with me. Let me get it right. God, if I need to confess this, Lord, if I need to get this right, Lord, I want you to deal with me and help me. But if you know that you are doing God's will and you're not living in just open rebellion against the word of God, then what God is doing in your life is he is bringing you to a place where you can have some spiritual maturity. 1 Peter 4, 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened. What is going on? Did we think we would get through this world without trial and tribulation? A trial-free life is a spiritual, immature, and shallow life of Christianity. I tell you, listen, I've seen you go through trials. We've all been through trials but I have seen on the other side and I have watched how God has helped you and used you to be a blessing to us, to be an encouragement to us. Hebrews 12, 11 said, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, nevertheless, awardeth it, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Philippians three fifteen. let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. 
That means the way that you look at your trial, counting it all joy. The way you mature is by knowing the trials have a purpose. And that's when he's saying, count it all joy, that this trial has a purpose. This trial will have an outcome. Luke 21 verse 19, in your patience possess ye your souls. Are you trying to escape? You're trying to get out of it? Are you trying to, are you complaining in it? Don't try to get out of it prematurely because if you do, you will have to go back and repeat it again. It means spiritual maturity. And then it says wanting nothing. You say, well, I don't need this right now. I can't handle this trial right now. I don't want to go through this right now. I've got too many other things going on right now. I don't need this. I don't need this right now. Well, obviously God thinks you do. I don't like it either. I don't need this right now. I've got too much on me already. I don't need it. Isn't it amazing how they just seem like to come in threes? Isn't it amazing? It's amazing. I don't know what all that means. But it just seemed like it'll be a trial and then another one and then another one. And that last one, it's like, man, I, here's this and then, and here's this. And no, oh, no, not another one. I can't handle another one like this. It's too much. And man, this is bigger than the second one. And the second one was bigger than the first one. I can't handle this. I don't need this. Well, if you belong to God, God says, yes. Yes, you do. You're lacking in an area. And I'm doing something in your life so you'll be wanting nothing. Now our question is, I guess, that we want to be spiritually mature. People say, I want to be close to God. I, I want to be close to the Lord. Well, I'm going to tell you this. There's a whole outfit of Jewish people in Babylon. A whole bunch of them. They said, well, I want to be close to God. Well, I tell you what happened. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they're close to God, but they're in the fire. And if you want to be close to God and you want to feel his presence and his touch and his power, it's going to take some fiery trials. It's going to take some battles. It's going to take going through some tests and trials. But when you go through that, I think again about Paul's thorn. Y'all can come to the instruments, please. I think about Paul's thorn. I'll never forget Brother Blue giving that illustration of when you get a thorn in your hand and Paul is asking, Lord, remove this thorn, remove this thorn. And he's picturing Christ just holding Paul's hands of Paul. I'm not going to remove it, but I'm going to keep my hand right there with you. I'm not going to remove it, but I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you help. You've got my personal attention. You know, when you're going through trials, you've got God's attention. God has allowed, God permits things in our life to get us on down the road to make us more like Jesus Christ. James said, count it all joy. Not when you're going through it, don't shout it out. Don't shout it out and be a hypocrite because you're not glad. You're not glad that the car's tore up. You're not glad that the car's tore up, but you can be glad that there's gonna be a result that's gonna do something and get something out of you to make you more like Jesus Christ. Let's everybody stand. Oh.